Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport, the record book. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Game Day Record Book Podcast with me, Danny Kelly. Um, new listeners will have to catch up. The rest of you know what's supposed to be getting some kind of visual record together of the season. That's long since been abandoned. I uh, like the hopes of West Ham United uh, to the four wins. Um, and we're just talking about the best, worst things that go on in the Premier League. Uh, regular listeners will also know we are allowed the programme to go on to any tributaries it wants. Although last week's discussion of Gwyneth Paltrow's intimate fragrance um, was mostly excised from the finished version of the programme. <laughs> to help me make another cornucopia, I hope, of top-class entertainment and punditry, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by a double barrel of marks. Um, I don't know what the collective noun is, we'll perhaps work on that during the course of the show. Uh, welcome back to West Ham fan, music broadcaster, football and sport pundit in general, Mark Webster. Hello there, Danny. Hello. How are you? Very, very good indeed. You know that. We've been together for the last hour. This is true. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but I, I'd like to think that during the course of that sentence, I hope nothing had changed. No, no, no. I've, I've, I remain roughly <laughs> OK. Right. Al- alongside him, uh, football pundit, TV star, I noticed the other day, um, the creator of Gre- Greta Thunberg's uh, fame, <laughs> Um, and sometimes a stand-up comedian, leaving all that behind now, as he's had yeah, big time. He's Mark grown Smith. up. I've grown up. Danny. Hello, Mark. <laughs> Hello, Danny. Any more? Any more comeback about the Greta thing when you invented her? No. In fact, you're the only one who keeps talking about it. Yeah. You got to stop. You got. I've no. got to move on with my life now. Okay. No. All right. Good. <laughs> Here he goes again, Harland. He's away and clear. Harland for the hat trick. Harland is there. Was there any doubt? Well, I don't think so. This boy is very, very special. The hat-trick on debut. Sam Maximum with a deep ball in, and the header is in! Isaac Hayden has won it for Newcastle in the 94th minute. Ramsdale's come racing out. Oh, that's that ball by Steve Cook, surely. The ball came out to the edge of the box. It was a shot from Duda, and it's a straight red card. Well, that's just brainless. We had all kinds of elaborate plans, almost Dada-esque, to change the running order of the show. But once again, they've fallen into, let's start with our hero of the week. Um, Mark Smith, why don't you start? Uh, Yeah, okay, thank you. My hero of the week is not actually in uh, British football. Good. Yeah, so not a bad start. It is Erling Haaland. Oh, he who, will be. Don't yeah, worry. well, he might be at some point, but he had an opportunity to oh, be in... you know his agent is. He will be, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah. So he famously didn't sign for Man United in uh, December. Instead went to Dortmund 
And on Saturday, he had his debut. Now, after 56 minutes, they're 3-1 down to Augsburg. He comes off the bench, scores a hat-trick immediately inside 20 minutes. Wow. Yes. I mean, I say a hat-trick. Yeah. Here's the only issue with that. In Germany, they're very... I don't know if you know this, but Germans are quite stringent for rules and order. That's why it's such a great country. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's why yeah. they get things done. Yeah. But in okay, their lexicon... I'll, I'll give them that, but, uh, but you know, surely they could give themselves some latitude in this match. That's surely? latitude, nine. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have thought so, but it, so in their world, a hat-trick has to be scored... All three goals in one half. Okay, that did happen with Haaland. And but they also have to be consecutive goals. There can't be anything else in between it. It has to be three goals in a row from the same player in the same half. So technically, in German football, not a hat-trick. I, got, I, I really now... Who, where, whose was the first hat-trick, of course? Was it the, was it the more liberal, free-flowing... So, you know, the laissez-faire version. Oh, no, it'd be French hat-trick, that one, then, wouldn't it? But who got the first hat-trick away, the official one? I guess it's got... Because that's an ice hockey thing, isn't it, the hat-trick? Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh, is it not? I no, no, it Victorian football, uh, hence the name. Um, uh, the, the, when football was still largely amateur, if you got the three goals... The hats um, went on you, the... No, you would get a war... Um, uh, the local milliner was pro- pro- supposed to provide you with a, with a lovely new hat because hats were yeah. an expensive luxury item. Really? Now, that is either entirely true or entirely made up. I can no longer remember which. Well, there, the... is a, there is a folklore... Well, oh, well, no, I say folklore. The, the, the ice hockey one is that they all just threw the hats on the, on I, the ice. I like that's 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 better. I'm going, with that. I'm going with that, yeah. Well, you probably heard it from him. But what I, yeah, that's true, <laughs> what yeah. I like, think, if that was the case in German football, they'd all throw their hats on the pitch and then a walk on and pick their hats up from the pitch, put the hats on, and walk back to where they were. Yeah, but the reason he's the hero is not just the hat-trick thing. Mm. It's the fact that he's a young lad, 19, yeah. in a brand-new country, scoring for a top team, and United know what they've missed. We can all see what we've missed as, as, as fans of football. €30 million Euros is all he cost. Oh. Yeah, Mina Riola, his manager, will make sure that that won't be the cost of him in two years' time when he's moving him um, to Manchester United or where else. Well, that's why he wouldn't go to United, was it? United wouldn't let him have the transfer cut of the next uh, transfer. I'm fascinated by genetics. Um, Obviously, the most phony genetics are the acting gene, where everybody who ever makes makes an appearance on British television, you check on your phone, oh, their mum was. I mean, obviously, you know, Cumberbatch is the obvious example, but there's loads of them. Nobody can get a career in acting now unless their mum, dad, or preferably both. Both were actors. Lawrence it Fox. Ma- it make oh, the, the Foxy. <laughs> Obviously, the Fox. Famous singer songwriter for s- and other things. I don't know what. But it makes more sense in football. And um, I remember when Spurs won the League Cup in 1999. Oh, George Graham. Um, the four of the players on the pitch, their fathers had been professional footballers. Four of the Spurs players. Right. Um, I could I name them now. I don't think I could. But there was a little bit of parental stuff going on <laughs> on the pitch there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So of course, um, Erling Haaland's dad is Alf Haaland, yeah. who played yeah. for Man City and Leeds and a few others. Um, but also Claudio Reyna's son was playing in that game. Now, Reyna and Alfinger Haaland, Claudio Reyna and Alfinger Haaland played together at Man City and their sons both debuted in the same game for oh, Dortmund on Saturday. Terrific. And then there are people who try to tell you first that there is no active and living God and B, that she is not a football fan. Come <laughs> off it. Come the hell off I it. I like it. Well, that's, a, that's very German. I'm presuming there's some form of hat you get for that at the very least is that you play in a game opposite a man who's, who played with your dad in the same team. You'd hope so. Some yeah, kind, of, al- some kind of alpine hat with if a feather on it. Like we should, we should gather some money together and make I mean, a hat for them. That, yeah. Mark Smith, is one of the great openings to this show, which yeah. may tell you more about the show than you need to know. Um, <laughs> but I think it's going to be top straight away because <laughs> Mark Webster's one, um, provided you're of a, a, a musical bent, certainly, certainly a certain vintage as well, is just superb. I have pre-knowledge of it and I'm already voting for it against my Sorry. own Hero of the Week. The game is rigged. I can't sorry, sorry Mark, but... Can you dig it? 
Um, <laughs> it, it's it's got to be Isaac Hayston. Um, <laughs> Hooray! Now the, the reason <laughs> be, exactly. I can't I can't do a wild wild guitar. He's he's first he's he set the solo album Hot Butter Soul from 1969. Featured on it two songs. Walk Genius on piece by, of work, by the way. Which was 12 minutes long. Yeah, get long. more impressive, I can do, yeah. and I shall. By the time I get the Phoenix, yeah. seems an appropriate title for a song that's 19 minutes long. Uh, and utterly genius, every second it's, of it. It's unbelievable thing. Yeah. But that's. But as I, I first became aware of, of, of young uh, Isaac Hayden's work uh, for Newcastle over the last yeah. couple of years, of course. And I'm thinking, there is no way that his mum and dad called him Isaac by accident. Because if you're called, if your surname's Hayden, yeah. you've got to be coming in saying, oh, "We're calling the boy Isaac." There's, there's no two ways about it. So I, I, I am, I'm, I'm not pinning the blame. I am pinning a medal, I believe, on Mr. and Mrs. Hayden's chest from Chelmsford. A couple from Chelmsford. Uh, he, he did his footballing at Brentwood as a kid. Worked his way up through Southend and the Arsenal. Is was the, was his trick. He's played for uh, England at all kids levels, mm-hmm. but his dad's from Jamaica, so he probably qualifies should he want to to go and play. On one of those luxury World Cup sort of like campaigns, yeah, at some the dream. Point. But of course, hundred games odd now for um, for Newcastle, and came up with an absolutely important top end. And, so, and of course, what, what, which of us, when you don't have a dog in the fight, who doesn't love a smash and grab when the one team has been absolutely yes. dominant, and then Isaac Hayden uh, comes up and gets that goal? Mark, I might, this might not be. You could probably match this, but I'm happy to say I've once had dinner with Isaac Hayes. Now, well played. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Really? One, of my, oh, one of my absolute heroes. Um, that generation of black American so-called soul artists, but just artists. Um, obviously, Isaac Hayes, Curtis Mayfield, Marvin Gaye, Bobby Womack, Sly Stone. Yeah. That's my that's my holy trinity. Is there a five-pointed trinity there anywhere? Is now. Yeah, there is. Did he cook uh, for you? Like no. German, oh, like if German, only. German if German only. Like you know, it's been before <laughs> yes. the South Park thing, but after he, he had a, he had a, he had a sort of comeback of, of sorts, and. Um, to, to the shame of the British press, there wasn't enough people to organise a press conference for him. So the PR said, would, would three or four of you who have expressed a huge interest come to dinner? Wow. So I went to a posh hotel somewhere in the West End of London, sat there for four hours, just just bathing in, in the Isaac Hayesness of Isaac Hayes. Now, you're not the right age, and maybe it's not your thing, but when he made his LP Black Moses, um, people like me, teenage freckly, skinny boys in North London, when he used to appear on stage, this huge bald-headed black man in just chains. He wore a kind of chain outfit. Yeah. Um, a, well, the slavery thing was obvious, but B, he just looked like nothing else. I mean, sorry, um, the kind of people I was seeing on Cracker Jack just weren't doing the <laughs> same stuff. I've got to be day. honest. Um, so <laughs> Isaac Hayden is a brilliant thing. And I guess it was happening when, you probably saw him then when he came out, and he does, which is slightly more contemporary, he did a version of Sting's Fragile, which was yeah. his kind of comeback. Yes. It, uh, it's brilliant. Yes, it was a last, a last musical thing. kick from the great yes, man. Yes, he had a go, didn't he? He did, absolutely brilliant. Now, um, my hero of the week, so they're very good so, so far, Erling Haaland, um, Isaac Hayesden. Um, Can I just take us back to the more sort of um, uh, prosaic waters of the game between Norwich and Bournemouth, um, which in a normal course of events would have passed by, let's be fair, with barely a whimper except for the fans of both clubs. But when one of the players decides to not just defy the laws of football, but the very surly bonds of gravity itself, uh, to quote the great man, um, Steve Cook's handball 
Anybody? Um, now I know you're. I know you're a basketball fan. You, yeah. There's there's no ball on the planet who would have been proud was, of what he got up there. He was above the rim. <laughs> he as, certainly as, was. As you may declare it in the in the in the world of NBA. Yes. Get anybody? Uh, anybody got any kind of psychological qualifications here? What possessed him to do it? <laughs> well, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. To be honest. Oh, thank oh God! <laughs> See, I would love it to happen more often. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so an outfield player, no, not the handball down by the side or the, the, no. the protect your face handball. The I'm going to leap as high as I. Full Cristiano Ronaldo could yeah. handle balls 20 foot off the ground, yeah, yeah. couldn't he? Now, I, I would say I'd be prepared to see it more often in the last five, six minutes of a game. Oh. This was like minute 33 or something. This yeah. is, yes. It's all still to oh, play for. You're going for the suicidal take one for the team you, thing you here. You can't yeah. go in. You cannot yeah, be yes. 10 men for 70 minutes. No. Count, but he's decided, yes, we can. Oh, I think you can if you're a fantastic team like, oh, oh no, <laughs> no, no, you can't do. So well done, Steve. Um, you're a hero trying to be a superhero in a game which, you know, it allows for a certain amount of uh, out of the ordinary behaviour. But that really was... Also, we don't have stupidest thing of the week because that was the stupidest thing anyone. <laughs> and in football, that is saying something, isn't it? It was. It was. It, but it was. It did. It, it did pay service to his athleticism. It was. It was. Yeah, a, it was hell of a sight. I didn't know he had that in his locker. No, <laughs> we see him pull this out. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, so you know what's going to happen the next time Bournemouth have an injury to their goalkeeper, then the sub goalkeeper comes on, <laughs> gets sent off. All the rest of the team just look automatically at Cook, won't they? You, yeah, Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Straight from the training ground. Clearly, listen. I, I I know that we have to make a decision here, so I'm going to just roll my joke if you don't mind on, yeah. on Isaac Hayston. Uh, it, it is. It's somewhat ancillary. But surely we can also attach that, the goal celebration. I don't know if you had the pleasure of seeing as oh. they slide into the corner. It's Hayden, I think, basically launches it and the corner flag cartwheels into the crowd. Yeah. Now, there's a fella stood in the crowd. And guess what? When some a flag is often a warning, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, the flag that was hurling straight towards his groin. It went like a, like a cartwheeling cricket it did. flag, didn't And the it? bottom so end, the non-flag end, yeah. I, potentially even the soft the end, bit. landed straight in the, the immediate part Middle of the body off. where it could not, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly, he would have been, the um, it, and not even an umpire's call. Yeah, bear with me while I join both the Isaac Hayes and the bloke getting it in the ghoulies with the word shaft. That's, <laughs> I'm here all week. Enjoy we the liver. Um, and um, I'm sorry, I'm not even going to vote on this. Isaac, Hales, <laughs> Isaac Hayston <laughs> is going to be our hero of the week. Sorry, Mark. No, go ahead. That's yeah. fine. Football stadiums are only used for real one value, which is playing football games. And Mel's trying to circumnavigate that by suggesting that it's a huge revenue stream. And Mel's logic is right on one hand. Mel has sold this stadium to another vehicle that Mel owns. Dinked ball to the far post, Sharps trying to get a piece of it, might drop for Fleck on a drive, it's 1-1! John Fleck has equalised for Sheffield United! Leno couldn't keep it out! What about our villains? Um, who started last time? Why don't Mark Webster, why don't you... Now, I see the name of your villain here, because I've got a running order in front of me, which of course doesn't get stu- uh, adhered to in any sensible way. Are you sure this is not just... West Ham wasting their money uh, revenge. I've not travelled, no, because I've not travelled uh, too far from St James's Park. In fact, I've stayed within the confines of St James's Park. You know how there's always the obligatory Fergie shot. That whatever, whenever it's a Manchester United game, there's there's Fergie in the stands. You can't actually carry on. You know, you're not allowed to leave the room. You're not allowed to stop watching the football until you've seen the Fergie shot. It's, it's, it's in it's Legally, in law. Yeah. And yeah. then once you've seen that, you can you're entitled to not watch the rest of the game. 
<laughs> well, guess what? He does have an heir apparent. It's Andy Carroll. And I've just worked on the principle that at Newcastle, right, guess, oh, by the way, guess what? He's injured. Yeah. Andy Carroll? Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not fit at the moment. Andy Carroll's not fit. Andy Carroll's not fit oh, at wow. the moment. Let's, let's come on, let's give him a break here. At the moment. And I've just worked on the principle that perhaps he's just contagious. Perhaps you can catch. You got away Carroll. with Isaac Hayes. You really did get, it. and now you decide to push the boat even further I've, away I've, from the shores of reality. The You've emboldened him. That's why. Well, yeah, listen, I have. I've he, empowered him. But he could be. He could be carrying that virus because basically Newcastle men have been dropping like flies. They lost two in the first fifteen minutes in their previous game. In this game, Willems went down at twelve minutes, and my hero of the week, Hayesden, within two minutes of that hobbled off the pitch and he was in doubt of not coming back on again and they're looming I say is the fatal carrier of football diseases Andy Carroll <laughs> it's got to be his fault now did it but was he a similar jinx at West Ham or did he absorb all the injuries for the club for a three year period if, if, that would be if he, wow. if he took it if he took it for every what took, a good man if he took 1700 for the team yeah I'd give him that no, one but, <laughs> all, my, all, there, my, all, all my Achilles tendons are killing me <laughs> the, the, yeah, all, all 14 yeah yeah I do like that's that's it, isn't empathy a big thing in that kind of can't you you know isn't that a bit like well, being sim- pregnant like pains. your wife yeah yeah sympathy pains could be but Jack Wilshere was there as well I mean between oh, Hang on, between, yeah. them. between them, they're taking the entire countries with the, injuries, I think. The, right. We didn't get a chance to mention it last week. The film of Jack Wilshere surprising Declan Rice by getting into the big washing dryer machine, whatever it was, at West Ham's training ground. You've seen this? Yeah. 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 Um, it did strike me, a very funny gag and all the rest of it. Well done, Jack. Probably 75 grand a week to be the club <laughs> joker. Yeah. But... The person with the most injury at the club, should you be getting into a dryer? <laughs> a spinning, a spinning <laughs> cylinder. A large metal spinning <laughs> cylinder. Should you, Jack? Let's, let's go through the facts here. You can never walk from the, your car yeah. to the pavement without pulling something. Should you be getting yourself in, in a scrunched-up ball, <laughs> into a washer-dryer in order to provide a great, hilarious prank, prank on your mate, Declan Rice? There is, there is a lovely option here that perhaps the spin cycle fixes Jack Wilshere's long-term injury. It's like a very and they day. start putting everybody <laughs> yeah. into the Tremendously fast thing. massage, yeah, <laughs> I suppose. I suppose there's that. Centrifugal physiotherapy. <laughs> exactly. Let us try and bring, as I say, the boat back to the shores of reality. Try and take us back, Mark Smith. Um, I would do, but I feel like I'm not in a position to do that with ah. this one, because this is close to my heart. I'm a Derby County supporter. Yes. Yeah. My villain, villain of the weekend is the EFL. <laughs> Those nasty suits at the EFL. EMF? (laughs) (laughs) The EFL for being mean to my beloved Derby County. Now, we all know the story by this point. Derby County being charged by the EFL because Steve Gibson, the Middlesbrough chairman, got a bit upset at us. No, no, no. That's not why you've been charged. Yeah, hang on. Yeah, Steve Gibson has complained about what Derby did. That's not the reason. We've done nothing wrong, Danny. Look, the facts are these. Apparently, we've overspent whatever. It turns Not out whatever. Though, no, Danny, listen that to this. That sentence ends with the word overspent. It turns out that the EFL, it looks like, and I'm no legal expert and I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but it looks like uh, the EFL may well be uh, backtracking on what they said to us a few months ago. They signed off on us valuing this stadium, I mean, admittedly, much higher than it's probably worth. They signed off on it and are now saying it was their mistake that they signed off on it and therefore they're still going to punish us. Now, that to me seemed like a pretty weak defence and I think that it's not got a great track record, the EFL, over the last couple of years. They're running of various parts of the league. And I think this could be another 
nail in the coffin. I think the EFL might be in trouble here. Someone has done something wrong here, whether it's Mal Morris at Derby, mm-hmm. whether it's the EFL. Someone has done something terribly wrong and is going to be really shown up to be a bit of a villain here. We could be talking about this next week, sure. for example. I don't know which one it is, though, because they're both so adamant that it's not them. I don't know who to trust. It's I've absolutely ta- chicken and egg. I've taken legal advice on this in the form of Simon Jordan, um, who does know what's going on, indeed confronted Mel um, about what he'd done with the stadium live over on Talk Sport, um, where he described Mel's manoeuvre as cute, which is a, a very um, nice and delicate word for what it actually was. Uh, look, I, as I understand it, Derby haven't broken any rules here because the rules haven't been written. The problem is, what's to stop everybody then? If Derby can turn around and say, our stadium, we want to revalue it at X, what's the plan? The phrase he actually used, you're going to put a roof on it and put on Rod Rod Stewart. How many times is Rod Stewart going to play there to make this all work out? But it's three independent valuers have valued it at that. Yes. And it's also not Derby's problem. Yeah. Oh. I don't know why would this be Derby's problem. The EFL's ineptitude is not Derby's problem. If Dar- if Derby have played fast and loose but cute with the rules, that's the EFL's fault. It's not the Derby's fault. The they can't is, be the punished is, for that. Uh, maybe uh, I don't know if whether Derby have done something good or bad, but it has the same kind of fishy smell to it as Real Madrid selling their training ground yeah. to the local council sure. who can't exist without well, half, mo- a million, half a million quid. But morally, yeah. is, is different to being legally in the wrong. So I, I think, for example, I'm not over the moon by this as a Derby fan, but we don't have the luxury of things like parachute payments or any of that sort of stuff. So we've got to have a chairman can and I an accountant department. Can I ask you why you don't? Very... Why do you not have the luxury of parachute payments? You know why, Danny, and we're not going to get into this now. <laughs> because you're got, not good we, enough we, to we, get out of that league. We've got to be a bit more smart with our accounting, a bit of clever accounting within the rules. As long as it's within the rules, I'm happy with that. You can't I, be happy. with I that. I think the big deal here is is that. Um, and it, and it actually, the conversation started a couple of weeks ago. Rick Parry is now the head of the EFL. And, uh, you know, and a big, powerful man in Liverpool and in the Premier League in his time. And he's kept his powder dry for quite a long time at the EFL. And he, cut, and he spoke out a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he started to make up his mind that he was going after perpetrators because he saw what had happened in rugby league to Saracens. That was before... Rugby Union. R- rugby Union yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. That was before... Saracens were booted out and, and, and relegated yeah. only a few days ago from this conversation. So basically, Rick Parry's waiting to find out whether there was legal precedent that he and the EFL could pursue. And in that interview, he specifically said, and I think it's this, exactly the same kind of paraphrase, that we've still got a few bad apples in the barrel. Now, it's, that's all well and good, but Rick Parry can't go around reinventing the wheel but what he may now be doing is he may be shutting down some of these holes that he thinks yeah. that everyone have been escaping through. But, that, but that's that's you can shut down the holes, but you can't punish those that have gone through before you've shut them down. punishment I, seems like a tough one. Far be it from me to defend Derby County, and uh, you know, no part of me wants to ever since Roger Davis uh, scored about nine <laughs> wow. goals in a cup replay against Spurs in the early seventies. Roger Davis still sits yeah. in the in the terraces. I do believe he's still with us. The great well, man so is the radio, he? Exactly, he's okay. still there. Uh, people um, remind him about them goals, Dan. I'm sure. But uh, just uh, just just as a, a matter of you know, Derby are a victim of the inequality of the football in this country where the Premier League takes all then spits out 13% of its members each year into the outer darkness of the championship and unless you're lucky enough to bounce back with Sam Allardyce uh, like West Ham United you are to use the word buggered uh, what they really need to do is to go after A the way the Premier League is run and B it needs a really big club Paris Saint-Germain 
I'll take it away from England because I get told, called about biased if I start about teams in the north of England. Paris Saint-Germain are banged to rights for all this stuff and the UEFA are too frightened of their owners. Not the club. The club is a Frankenstein club put together 25 years ago to give Paris some kind of football um, footprint. Um, but they need to get after these people and say, sorry, I understand that you are prince whatever you are and you have this much money and this much oil, but the rules of our, our competition are being busted wide open and you're going to take a sanction. Uh, but picking on Derby or Luton or whoever it is this week's victim is down yeah. the pyramid... Yeah. But it's different because but we're, we're, step, up, we're, <laughs> we're steps away from PSG. This is the the EFL can only control the seventy one yeah, sure. clubs actually, yeah. obviously because they managed to control one of them out yeah, of yeah, there. Exactly. So no, the but I still go on a random rant. So no exactly. Stop me. But of course, that, but, that, but what the EFL can't do is affect what the Premier League does. The Premier League can't affect what you over. So does. what we're saying is they're they're a bunch of villains, and that's why they're villain of the week for me. All right, so my, my villain of the week, and um, one or one always hates when you have to change your tattoos, um, is Arsene Wenger, who I adore. Um, I know Arsenal, all the rest of it, but Arsene Wenger, A, a bright man in football, B, a person who transformed the game for yeah, the better in agreed. this country. Um, but now, and now, of course, he's the head honcho at sort of policy um, and global football, isn't he? He's in charge of making things better. Um, but... An odd thing, on the, on BN, where he does a lot of his uh, television work, he quoted as saying this about Arsenal um, when they moved from Highbury, of course, a stadium that literally cast a shadow of my house when I was growing up. Um, he says, I moved from Highbury, which was similar to Anfield, but there, was no, but there was a soul in that stadium. He believes that we built a new stadium, quote, we never found our soul. We left our soul at Highbury. Um, Hold I'm on. sorry. I'm sorry, Arsene. That's a bit of retrofit as well, isn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> Throughout the last 15 years of your reign, the whole point about the way Arsenal were playing and were being administered was you were building this space station on the Holloway Road that was going to dominate the world and was your legacy not just to Arsenal but to the game in this country, a proper surrounding for people to eat their £8 pies and all the rest of it. You can't turn around and say that it's got no soul because of that. No. It's very odd for a man of his intelligence, even if he thinks it's true, because he made such a uh, song and dance about the new stadium, he needs to keep strong about and it. And I've got to say, as well, as memory serves, by way of transitions from your old stadium to a new stadium, it's pretty seamless. The only issues... Are the, are the years speaks in which he'd still... West Ham he, he fan. Would, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and so, therefore, has hands-on first-hand <laughs> yeah, yeah. experience of such matters. Yes. His, his issues are the last few years, not those, not the intermediary years in which he in which he, he literally picked up a very successful football team and pretty much kept it going. You can't... Listen, I, you know, but, uh, workmen and tools, and it does... It's interesting, because this is the, the same weekend that... West Ham fans chose to demonstrate because it's 10 years of, of Sullivan and Gold running West Ham. Of course Ham. it so, is. Oh, yes. I, mean, I take it you were outside with your rake and your torch? Was, uh, no, because I don't I, I, I don't subscribe to <coughs> personally joining in on such matters. Not least of which is I don't completely agree with what they did, but in the way I go, completely agree with what Golden Sullivan did. I don't so, think it's a simple... So it's who, no who, way it's simple. No, matter. I'm sure it's full, full of nuance and, and complication, but... Um, why are, there, why are there hundreds? And I understand there's a couple of hundred. Why yeah. are there hundreds of West Ham fans, instead of doing what's traditional, invading the pitch and talking to Mark Noble about it, yeah. why, are they, now, <laughs> exactly. why are they now protesting outside the ground? they have done that. <laughs> well, I think you kept your clothes on, well, well done. Exactly. Well, they, they gathered around, they went to old pubs, and what they did, people are sort of, they're, they're, there's a nostalgia trip part yes. of this going on. And with 50,000 people going to what it is, of course... There's going to be an element of them which are individuals who simply want to keep reliving 
the glory days. And you know what glory days are in hindsight. Yes. They're nothing like what they actually were at the moment. We, we've, we've been a mediocre team forever. We're still a mediocre team. Can I say something about that, though? Space. You are a mediocre team, but you played your football in the heart of the East End and, to my recollection, and believe me, I was once chased out of that ground in the, one of the most fantastic atmospheres mm. in English football. Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't. It was extraordinarily toxic till yeah. we, before we moved because we were rubbish and it was ugly and violent and and yes, empty, that's what I remember. And, and yeah, empty. And that was so. It, so to start dressing it up that we were kind of living in some kind of cloud, some Disney World version of the East End. For a start, we're at our football. The football ground we're in now is nearer to our home anyway. Everyone, everyone started. Well, now again, Thames Ironworks on my ass, yeah, well, are we? Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I resent the time we moved away from the memorial grounds, which of course is a park. And with I regret, swings in it. So. I regret when they joined the football league that Spurs ditched their original or the kit they were wearing when they got in 1905 when they got into the league, which was red and brown stripes. Very nice. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Very nice. Okay, I've got a lineup for villains of the week. Very strong this week. Uh, Andy Carroll infecting his teammates with um, all kinds of injury the problems. The Carroll virus. Yeah. The uh, We've got to be careful because between we rubbed our three heads together. There's not a legal brain between us. <laughs> um, the EFL's appalling assault on poor old Derby County yeah, yeah, and yeah, Arsene yeah, Wenger yeah. turning on the Arsenal Stadium to say that, the, that somehow this thing which he built <laughs> stone by stone with his own hands has robbed the club of its soul. Mark. I'm not shifting on this one. This is 100% EFL. <laughs> the big bad EFL. I'm not moving. In fact, if it doesn't get picked, I'm out of it. I'm I leaving. Like He's going. You're going to be relegated to another podcast <laughs> like they're going to be relegated out of that league. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to go. I'll, I will back Mark on this one here. The reason being, I just say it's fun to take on an entire organisation rather than one poor old fella whose sort of memory is wavering a bit on himself. Yes, yeah, see, see, I knew the West Ham fans would go would go this way, Mark, yeah. um, because of the way you dealt with Sheffield United over the last fifteen years. Uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, yes, was not, not pretty. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh... And by the way, uh, uh, <laughs> no one even mentioned Andy Carroll again in this conversation. All right, and I, I, I'm happy to go along with this because two reasons. Mark was so upset to have lost the hero section of the show, and he's threatened to quit, and we can't afford anybody else. Um, so that's it. The, the villain of the week is the English Football League uh, for even having the temerity to suspect that Derby. County, God bless their pointed little head, yes, yes. might in any way have broken the rules. Um, disclaimer, these are not the views of Talk Sport, um, our owners, who I can't remember who, even who they are, um, uh, or anybody legally associated with this podcast. And if it turns out that Derby are a right bunch of villains, we will retract every bit of this and indeed redact it all. Uh, I won't. <laughs> 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. He has made the decision and Ben Godfrey has been sent off. The yellow has been upgraded to a red after the referee went over to the pitch side monitor and made the decision himself. Well, if he was looking at the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes, yeah, I, I get that, but that bit in the middle is quite a long period <laughs> and uh, and we certainly didn't do enough uh, in, in that period. But we've got we've got plenty of bottle, we've got plenty of spirit, fighting spirit. We hung on in there. Let's move on to the performance of the week. Um, I guess I'll start because I haven't started any of these sections. And again, I'm taking, because uh, the show... Um, it's already come to dominate all podcasts um, about the local leagues here in Britain. I want to take it once again uh, to the continent and to the wonderful city of The Hague. Now, have any of you ever been to The Hague? No, no. See, everyone goes to Amsterdam or they go uh, to Rotterdam because for business reasons, that's where all the uh, all the money moves through, um, through uh, Holland. I have had the singular privilege of spending some time in The Hague recently. Um, it, uh, it's an amazingly beautiful place. Um, you can see where the Dutch Empire, as there was, allowed us to build beautiful buildings. Um, and there is a, a rest, uh, sorry, a restaurant, a hotel called the Hotel das Indis, um, based on their East Indian Empire, of course, where when you go there, my wife was doing a, uh, a travel piece for The Guardian about it. And so I got to go along. And it's one of those hotels, when you get there, they give you a hardback book over the counter and where you can look at pictures of Omar Sharif and Mick Jagger and Sophia Loren all staying in the hotel. Oh, la-dee-da, well um, It's the very first place in Europe where they built a boulevard. And there's a very wide carriageway up to the entrance of the hotel and all the rest of it. What's this got to do with football, you ask? Um, we spent sort of four days there and it was very beautiful. They've got the fabulous um, museum of art there, which rivals the Kunstmuseum. Um, careful Danny um, in Amsterdam has all the Vermeers some of the Vermeers are just left lying around the stairs we've got so many of them Um, and yeah I knew that something was scratching away at the back of my head our guide was a man of tremendous flamboyance who kept saying I won't use the language uh, to hell with um, Rotterdam to hell with Amsterdam the Hague is everything in Holland until I said to him haven't Den Haag ADO Den Haag the local club haven't they got a lovely new stadium I'd love to go and see that Oh, my God. Football did not feature on his list of (laughs) cultural um, perfections. He liked painting and he liked dancing and music and even finance and all the rest of it. Under the most tremendous pressure from me, he took us to see the new Den Haag Stadium. What a beautiful example of what a small ground should be. doesn't need to be a space station like the previously mentioned Emirates or the new Spurs Stadium. Beautiful thing. And I thought, well... The trouble is, they've got a lovely stadium here. Den Haag never go anywhere in their football. They're one of the whipping boys of the Eredivisie. So how much interest was generated this weekend when the last week or so we learned that they have a new management team? Um, very much for people of our, of our uh, knowledge here at TalkSport. Alan Pardew, 
former West Ham manager, of course. Indeed. And Chrissy Powell, who I adore. Yes. Um, not only is he a good bloke, not only is he a good coach, but of course he's a massive Spurs fan. Proper Spurs head as well. I've done the quiz with him. He's very. He really is a proper Spurs fan. Ex-Derby as well. So we've all got, uh, all got dog in this fight. And if I may say, uh, just on Chris Powell, mm? I crawled oh? to the bottom of my mate's garden through the trees. <laughs> Go on. And looked through the fence. Yeah. Because that was Chris Powell's house's drive. <laughs> Okay. Oh, you're the stalker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was oh. going to be Cheryl Baker. I was, there for, I was there for days. Days, I told you. Well, the two of them have taken over at Den Haag. I mean, let's be fair. Pardew can't sit around forever waiting to be offered a job in the Premier League or somewhere. Otherwise, you become the Alan Kirbishley of your generation. Um, and so he's taken quite, I think, with a great deal of courage, actually, the job at Den Haag. And they had their first game this weekend. Um, they'd only won one of their previous dozen games. Um, and Chris and Alan... Um, oversaw a 2-0 win over RKC Volvic. Um, somebody explained to me, though, the Ghostbusters connection. Well, no, they said, I mean, only the fact that there's a giant banner and the representation yeah. of, of, I'm going to guess, well, it's, it is clearly Alan yeah. Pardew and, and yeah, Chris exactly. Powell, who it's meant to be. As Ghostbusters. I, I don't know what ghosts no. needed busting uh, no. at, uh, you know, within there, but yeah. that's what they did, and it's... But, but don't they feel like Alan Pardew starts really well everywhere? Yeah. As a manager, this this thing we know, Chris Powell is is a man who's who's coaching his second to none, and basically he's just off a stint coaching with Gareth Southgate, of course. So by way of having two two fellas going together, a new team that they are together, perhaps something great can happen with these. Alan two. Alan and I don't get on very well because of one time. It's entirely his fault. Um, I, went, I went to interview him when he was manager of West Ham and we sat down, you're having that moment before you, before you turn the tape recorder on and you get your, your cup of tea is being brought and all the rest of it. And I reminded Alan that he was the captain of Spurs' worst ever team. And he, he looked at me and he said, I said, you know what I'm talking about. Spurs were forced into the Intertoto Cup, didn't want to play in it. So for the first round against Cologne, um, they put together a team of amateur players from then non-league Barnet and thought we better can't send these kids out. Um, on the road, and Alan Pardew was signed by Spurs. You're, you're looking at me because you don't know this, do you? No. He was signed by uh, by Spurs to play in just the two legs of the Intertoto Cup against Cologne, I'm pretty sure. Um, I can't remember the combined score, but it is easily Tottenham's record defeat. And if you remember, we got beat 7-2 by Bayern Munich at mm. home this season. It's easily the club's heaviest defeat in any competition, and he was the captain of the team. Now, I thought you'd say, I know, wasn't that a remarkable chapter in my storied career? Clearly wanted to bury this like something out of the Soviet Union. And he just looked at me and said, well, uh, well yeah, that, that did happen, yeah. I'm not very proud of... Oh, and the rest of the conversation was chilly he's, indeed. He's not overcomfortable with his peccadillos being pointed out, Alan Pardew. <laughs> the dancing. Let's put it that way. That's apparently famously, of course, his spontaneous... Rehearsed for weeks, uh, dance. Yeah, he, yeah. Oh, that. that oh. oh, you've got yeah. your phone out. You know something. Uh, yeah, I, I, my Dutch isn't great. Forgive oh. me. Uh, <laughs> but the the um, slogan the tool, on the Ghostbusters um, banner, oh. it, it it read uh, "Degradati Spook," which translates as <laughs> "relegation ghost." Oh, so, so they're just oh. busting the ghost. But I'm of- not sure why they have assumed the pair to be. 
No. Ghostbusters or, or America. I mean, you could plug, what, I don't know you what could plug anything from anywhere, Of course you, you could. I don't, yeah. I don't really get why they've done that, but it works for me. No, I'm good. No, uh, what I'm just getting the details up here now. Yeah, Alan Pardew was captain of the Spurs team that lost 8 0 um, in one game to Cologne. I can't remember the other leg, but they did manage to lose 8 0, the club's record defeat. Well, that would still be haunting him. I, I, yeah, hope, no. not. I hope not, no. Mark, you've. Um, once again, you're being very controversial today. You, you want today's hero to be? Well, we've spent a lot of weeks this season absolutely hammering VAR, and rightly so. Sure. There's been a lot of weeks where it's been just completely destructive. The football's been awful, the games have been ruined by VAR. But you know what? This weekend, I've got to give it its dues. It came up with some good decisions, and finally we can see a few green shoots of recovery for the PR machine that <laughs> is Stockley Park. I feel like this weekend, the... The, uh, the decision to allow on-field referees to have a look at their monitors, or it wasn't used very much this weekend, but it's definitely uh, uh, something in the right direction. Do you reckon that even just the fact that they knew they could use it might have liberated the way that everyone conducted themselves? Definitely. Just the fact that it was now a weapon was yeah, a thing? I think so. So I... where was it physically used? In the Norwich game? It was used in the Norwich game. Um, ben Godfrey got sent off. It was a yellow card on the and field. And upgraded. That's right. And the referee went... Had, had, they had could have upgraded from Stockley Park like they did with Aubameyang a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But this time, because the referee had seen it with his own eyes, it, I think he's also more acceptable to the crowd, isn't it? Absolutely, But the geezer yeah. running around with the whistle, um, and, you know, yeah. I have my own views about how good they are or how, not, how bad they are, but if he's seen it with his own eyes and, and seen fit to say, Stockley Barker, right about this, that, that's a red card, I think I'm, I'm more likely to accept the whole thing yeah, in the ground. Yeah, yeah, It definitely worked, yeah. But it wasn't just there we saw it this weekend. We, we, we saw other good uses of VAR. Um, we saw the uh, Palace City game. There was a penalty given against the Palace fullback. That was uh, critical for the, for, the, for the technology for me. Yeah. Because there you've got a huge club in Manchester City at home, and if that gets given by VAR then we're back to where we were with the referees. Well, what's the point? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas clearly it come off the fella's leg onto his hand in the rules that can't be a penalty. Also, in common sense, he's he's he's, he's well, lunged he at the ball in yeah. a football no, movement. It's hit his body and then it's bounced onto his hand. Well done them. Arsenal fans of my acquaintance not so keen though when they didn't get the penalty they thought they should have got. Yeah, well, look, there's always going to be issues. I'm just saying this is yeah. a step in the right direction. Uh, we saw in the, in, in the championship this weekend, QPR leads. There was a very similar one for the QPR goal. It would have been ruled out had there been VAR there. Yeah. It wasn't, and it shows that the reason we wanted it in the first place was to eliminate howlers, and that was a howler. Yeah. Do you think also the fact that we... I don't think there was... Be, I don't think there was a single slight offside... No, that went to VAR even, that even, I'm a, even I the game, the, the Manchester United game yeah. at Anfield, the, the goal that Liverpool had chalked off, you know, the VAR champions it's and all the rest of it. Good old-fashioned offside. Yeah. It, the lad was about a foot offside. Yes. And but we didn't have to draw the lines, did we? No, we, there no, were we no strange dotted uh, lines. Yeah, they, that's the because that's the massive. That remains the massive culprit for me is yeah. that because yeah. a it takes so long and b it is so pedantic and and c and it's not it, accurate enough. Mark Webster <laughs> is about to lay some. He's going about spit fire and truth in our general direction now because. Again, having some precognizance of what's coming, I feel my own argument shriveling. <laughs> well, it's only I feel that Sheffield United clearly have deserved their props all season long for many a good reason. But I think the one all at Arsenal 
and obviously coming from behind to do that thing and against to a great extent a resurgent Arsenal and the fact that hold the bus Nessie I was on your side for a second in what way resurgent they've won one game by the way by by me saying to an extent I gave it I qualified the point (laughs) yes all right to what percentage extent wise oh you want maths on this do you how much 32% better than they were all right okay that's that's about that's about 31% 31% better than Spurs under Mourinho. <laughs> but, I mean, but, but, you know, you're going behind to, you know, new man, uh, a new vibe within the Arsenal stadium. Everything's everything's going rosy. That's all good. Sheffield United oh, Sorry, everything's going rosy. They've won one game. No, at 1-0. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but they don't think that. They, they are resurgent. He's, got, he's listening with one eye at the moment. Their atmosphere <laughs> suggests they're quite resurgent. It res, uh, yeah. But even if they aren't quite doing resurgent. anything... <laughs> I, I I know what you're saying here, Mark. Oh, yeah, but I yeah. I'm not going to be able to give They're you the point. They're more optimistic. No, no. They're more but optimistic than I, they were. I am more excited of the fact that in the week Chris Wilder gave an interview. He was talking to Tony Cascarino from Talksport. At which point, during the interview, he said, "Can you hear that?" He said, "What's that?" He said, "That's a that's a Lamborghini engine in the car park. That's how things have changed around here. He's revving that on purpose to get on my nerves, which was beautiful. And it's and it was and it's uh, Liz Mousset's um, very own Lamborghini, but the, uh, but the beauty of that, of course, is what Lucette does as well. And this is what the, that's why I kind of every time we get a chance to praise Sheffield United, there's this idea that basically all he's done is he's worked his way up by bringing a bunch of journeymen all born and bred on this island, yeah. and because they're the only ones who understand to play football the proper way, all this kind of stuff has been attached to Chris Wilder. This obviously, this is a 21 year old Frenchman that, 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 that they got out of Bournemouth and was doing nothing there at all, who's come in. And absolutely fitted. It, it, it's remarkable. If you if you said at the start of the season that one of the promoted teams would be unbeaten away from home, away from home, yeah, mind you, yeah. as we head into, well, the days are starting to get a little bit longer even. And then if you said, and that team would be Sheffield United, we'd have all looked like you were insane. And they've only got City in the last couple of months. The only City and Liverpool are their only blemishes. And you're right to say that Chris Wilder, he's very clever because, of course, he, he doesn't give off any of the vibes of being a, a mad scientist or a secret football genius. <laughs> Absolutely he, plays it all down, doesn't he? And yet, you know, here we are now, um, into the last into two-thirds of the way in the season, still nobody has worked out a way to stop the... They can all see the centre-backs overlapping the full-backs. Yeah. Nobody's worked out a way to stop it. No. Um, and they're, they're an incredible team. And it must be very galling for Wolverhampton Wanderers to not be the sort of miracle team of the year, Leicester City also, because I'm telling you now, when when we're asked to vote for who has been the, the astonishing team in the Premier League this season, it'll be Sheffield United. Even, yeah. when, even when Liverpool win the title with 10 games to go, Sheffield United will have done something amazing the way they're going. Well, not at least, I mean, you know, well, that's 10 million quid, that kid. Their record signing. Yeah. So when you when you even if you want to put it in if you want to put it in fiscal terms, which if you then put then you have a conversation about Wolves, yeah, and Leicester City, oh, no. yeah, of course. then they're not even in they're the well conversation. Healed. They're well healed. They're very well healed. Both yeah. clubs. Um, Mark, um, you've uh, gone for VAR. I've gone for Den Haag. Um, I'm saying Mark Smith. I, it's very hard to go past Sheffield United. Just for the otherwise, I think. To me, the podcast, which has already got very little credibility, will be reduced to almost <laughs> it's none. It's true. It's true. I mean, if we're going to retain any shred of football incredibility, in this case, we should. 
we do mention Sheffield United a lot. Give credit where it's due. But again, to go, you're right, say, resurgent Arsenal, the greatest Arsenal team of the last 30 years, <laughs> and all the rest of Someone it. Someone seems to give it a weirder caveat than I did. <laughs> For them to go there, go behind. I mean, of course, they never look like one minute of thinking we're behind him. Feel sorry for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. got to, let's have Sheffield United as our, our performance of the week, yeah? And Rashford seemed to pull up at the time and isn't running comfortably. Eventually, it was cleared away by Manchester United. But Rashford has gone down, put his hand up in the air, and that doesn't look particularly good at all. Taylor on the left-hand side for Burnley. Swings in the cross. Evans with a half-hearted clearance. is coming to Westwood! And Burnley have turned it around! Ashley Westwood goes for a power slide in front of the home end. They have turned this game on its head. There's the full-time whistle. And Spurs' sticky patch continues. They only... Premier League win a month was when they came from behind against Brighton to win on Boxing Day. Which takes us to the always hotly contested worst performance of the week. Now, Mark, I was very confused. Mark Smith, that is. I was very confused earlier on in the show about what you were going to do for this because, well, A, I'm not sure how qualified you are for this, but B, <coughs> fire away. It doesn't normally stop me, does it? <laughs> no. I talked about fair, the EFL legal issues earlier. Um, I'm picking for my worst performance. I'm picking... The headline is the Manchester United medical team is who I'm yeah. picking. But Losers. actually, I think it's actually <laughs> going to become Manchester United as an organisation. Oh, Now, as of uh, very recently... So, Sammy, you're, you're scaling down from the EFL... Yes. To, to just one each To the biggest club in the world. Superbly, <laughs> superbly punchy. Um, arguably the biggest football club in the world yeah. and one of the biggest football leagues in the world. Nothing. Smith's having both of those. Both Come them. on. I'm coming in. I'm Come coming on. in. Who wants them? At me. I don't care anymore. You're making that strange gesture where people will hold their arm out straight and then just run their four <laughs> fingers backwards, aren't you? Like the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I'm picking Manchester United, yes. Uh, generally, their medical team. So the news has broken that Marcus Rashford is now out for uh, up to three months. Um, having sustained a double stress fracture in his back. Now, this all stems from that the fact... That sounds terrible, by the way, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's absolutely horrendous. For a young player who very much relies on physical attributes, you need to make sure he is limber and quick and able to do what he wants to do in, in the next 10, 15, 20 years of his yeah. career. But the point is this. This started in the summer with United's transfer policy, letting Lukaku go, who, all right, he's doing well in Italy, different league, different system, whatever. But not replacing him has meant that at this point in the season... Rashford's been playing pretty much every game in a very thin squad in terms of attacking players. The next player along is a 17-year-old, or was a 17-year-old, Mason Greenwood, now 18, but still a kid with no experience. Looks good, but who knows. They've had to play Rashford because of a lack of options. He had a stress fracture already in his back, and because of those lack of options, and because the medical staff haven't been harsh enough on Solskjaer and made sure that he doesn't play him, he's now out for three months with a double stress fracture in his back which could easily hamper the rest of his career. Of course he'll get the best treatment of money. Yeah, of, course, yeah. of course he will. But there's no guarantees with that. Footballers still have to retire early sometimes. No, no, and, and back injuries are notoriously personal, one person to yes. another, one sacroiliac to another. It's not like if you break your finger, everyone knows you put it in a splint. They all require um, a different kind of attention. I'm horrified for the lad, actually. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's not career-ending, hopefully, or anything like that. No. Um, but I hate when players reach 
I mean, he in the last four weeks, he's been in the kind of form that we could all see three years ago. If if this boy learns, he's yeah. going to be a great footballer. He could get near that. He's well on his way to being a great footballer. And this is a horrible setback for him, isn't it? For England, of course, with H. Kane also in traction, Patty yeah. Smith style traction. Yeah. Um, but she fell off the stage at the Rainbow. I was there for that as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, but uh, can we blame? We've all seen any given Sunday. You know, American footballers are pushed out onto the pitch. Um, oh, even their head is hanging off with the knee and their knee, the needles hanging out of their knees. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. But Rashford apparently was playing in great pain. That was the phrase that was it's, used. So he's also had a, a floating bit of bone in his ankle, which is probably not a laugh either. No, no, but, but he took he took his took his mind off the stress factor. Yeah, which he obviously did, yeah. Got a usual, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is always. But, but I, I'm happy for players to play through pain. You know, they know their bodies to a certain extent. But you can't have a medical department of a, a multi-billion-pound franchise. Go ahead and. But also, uh, why was why was why did why was Solskjaer bringing him on in the I, I middle of an FA it. Cup tie? I well, do here's, not understand here's it. the thing for me. Now you you, you say that for, and that phrase which is rolled out by managers all the time that the, uh, the players they know their own bodies best. Well, I tell you what. If that was the principle, there'd be. Uh, we, we really don't need doctors because we'd all just walk around and, oh, uh, and self-diagnose. I was, I, was I was at Wembley when the day when Jan Vertonghen got the whack in the face and was saying to them, "I'm all right, I'm all right." The bloke was like, so the, right, then, it yeah, was like the, the Black Knight in the Monty Python it film." It took him literally <laughs> to convulse on the floor to actually prove them. Prove uh, but himself they were listening wrong. to him. A, a guy, a guy who's so uh, clearly concussed, semi-conscious, yeah, is yeah. telling you he's all right. And they're listening to him. So this, so this, for me, the, the problem. You got, so first of all, so you got that. You got low, medical teams you know you you probably got bigger squads of medical teams than you got football team players you know you've got all the technology you need of the 21st century to fix these things so why you then think that the best option of all of those things is to ask like you're right you go yeah, yeah. and I've got, I've got two issues the, my problem with that is and this may not be the case but there's two things that go on here number one the manager is too weak to deny a footballer when he says I want to play or number two he doesn't care if he's going to end up doing in damage, he wants See, him I don't on the think field that's, now. I don't think it, I, it I don't feel like, know. like a care to me, but but you know, you know, the first point is definitely right about weakness. But Danny, you asked a minute ago, why did Solskjaer bring him on against Wolves? We had no other options. That's the point. So it's not just the medical staff; it's the club and the transfer policy. The he's lack on of the recruitment. bench, though, Mark, isn't he? Well, you I mean, he's, he's, he's he even available to play. Yeah. You know, yeah. but we all moaned about Paul Pogba saying he needs surgery on his ankle to make sure it doesn't get any worse. Well, a couple of weeks later, now we see that maybe that's not the worst idea in the world. Get yourself properly sorted out so yeah. these injuries don't become long-term. And I would say Harry Kane injury. is a poster boy for this issue as well. Yes, the classic "I want to play." Okay, Harry, you're playing for club and country. Every I, year he has it. Every yeah. year, three months out. I think Mourinho. I, I think he was being deliberately provocative. Guess what? But um, I yeah. still, I still think there was an element of a point in which he was saying, "Well, look at all the football he played for England that was unimportant football." I, I hear what you're saying, but Mourinho himself is 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 up to every kind of subterfuge because no, he ought to be I, playing I, Troy Parrott, uh, the Irish boy who's at Spurs, and everyone knows he's going to be a great yeah. striker. But of course, he's not playing him in case he scores. And Levy says, "So you don't need a 25 million pound backup ah, to Harry Kane." Yes. That's why he's not playing him. Not, uh, and in game. February. He'll end up playing him unless they get somebody in from, you know, Lokomotiv Zivzniag or wherever they're going to get the next centre forward from. That's uh, one worst you performance. You really have got to get David Silver in so you've got Silver and Parrot in the same team. That's really <laughs> the only thing that matters now in football. Standing on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> um, my, my worst performance of the week is lunchtime kickoffs. I mean, that game oh, on Vicarage yeah. Road Stinker. on Saturday morning. Spur, Watford nil, Spurs nil. Both sides lucky to get nil. 
Um, <laughs> I knew how much I wasn't enjoying the game. Take the fact I'm a Spurs fan out of it. I still want to enjoy a good game of football. There was that nonsense in the first half where Michael Oliver was the referee. Michael Oliver's equipment for listening and talking to Stockley Park went sideways. So he has to go off to the side of the pitch and be a bit like um, rebuilding the Terminator. They have to take off his shirt. That took a long time. And then it to sort out the batteries in his, in his microphone and all the rest of it. And that took three minutes and 40 seconds. Wow. At the, uh, the appropriate moment towards the end of the first half, they held up the uh, additional time board two minutes, <laughs> right? And everyone was going mad on television. They saying, this is robbing the punters of football. I'm thinking, thank God there's only two minutes been it's given for that. I cannot minor... watch another five minutes in this first half. Well, if they put up the board, it said minus seven. <laughs> I'm going so for that. They could reduce cut, cut them off minutes. the second half. Absolutely <laughs> right. I mean, it's something to do with the fans getting there. It's an, it's an alien time for those of us who like to have two pints. No, that's my limit for yeah. the game. Two pints for the game, just to loosen up the old um, the valves and get ready for the game. The players themselves, I can't help feeling that they've got some kind of, you know, maybe parental uh, marital pressure. We're going to the garden centre. You're finished at, at half two. We're going to the garden centre. And their mind is not on I the do, job. I, I do love football. the fact, Dan, that you've still, even in the modern game, yeah. Got 21-year-old footballers going out there saying, not totally convinced that that potty plant is the one that would sit nicely in their conservatory. Someone else will have to explain to me what the quality of football's about otherwise. Here's the example, of course. We're seeing a season with less clean sheets than any previous Premier League season. By a huge number, only Liverpool regularly keep a clean sheet. But put on a game at our post oh, on that, Saturday. Oh, and uh, absolutely. The, the the blokes who are operating the scoreboard, they go home early. They're but, not going to be required, are they? But I'm sure Serie A was always Sunday early kickoffs, which is why they have such amazing clean sheet records. Oh, that, but, that would yeah, fit nicely. And, and that the horrible, that's also the horrible, horrible Yeah, the defenders. horrible football that they played. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> that as well. Look, Mark Webster, you, can you can you find a worse performance than lunchtime kickoffs, uh, where the referees are chopping chunks off the match for the sake of, of, <laughs> of, of, of neutral viewers and the Manchester United medical staff? Okay, I, although I would like, to, if you don't mind me, just quickly supplement the fact that there is an option for Manchester United, which I don't know if they've thought about, which is turning to... Perhaps the man who understands 22nd medical technology better than anybody, which, of course, is Ryan Giggs, ah. who this week has revealed, he revealed himself. He revealed um, himself? He revealed himself. He did much of himself. <laughs> um, he, he missed a golden opportunity for me. He's basically, he's, he's, he's shown that he's had a hair transplant, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's remarkable uh, modern technology. In fact, what he looks like, if you look at the pictures of him, he looks like Jamiroquai does in that automation hat, in, you ah. know, in that video. He's all, he's all lit up on the... T- it's very exciting. Um, and this is apparently he went bald because of the stress of playing for Manchester United, he points out, uh-huh. uh, a lot of years ago. Uh, for many years, he just went with la- uh, lotions and potions and shampoos. But in the Not end, he's now. committed. No, no. No way. He's committed. But he's committed to a company he's bought shares in as well. So I think that perhaps Ryan Giggs could be the medical future. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's assuming Marcus Rashford's major issues over the next few years' hair loss, rather than a double stress factor. Yes. I'm going to probably have to narrow it down a little bit. So let me get this right. He's had the um, you know perfectly legitimate uh, hair transplant, yeah. but he's also bought shares in the company, and now he's doing the adverts because one thing uh, he's a brilliant footballer. Jury's out as a manager. Never not the most charismatic man is he, um, Ryan Giggs. Which, well, that works nicely because when you think of the fact that the only people who ever have do hair transplant adverts are cricketers. 
Oh, and Maury, <laughs> and Maury in Goodfellas. Maury's wig yeah, when he jumps yeah, in the yeah, pool. Yeah. That's your ultimate oh, hair, hair oh, advert. That's good, ultimate. Yeah. That is your yeah. ultimate hair advert. Well, Mark, Clatt- <laughs> Mark Clattenburg is available because he's one of his first clients. Uh-huh. So if you're looking for personality... Well, okay, we're still looking for personality. I imagine, I imagine for years he was he was trialing this new technology on his chest because we saw oh, how hairy that was. Yeah, they could have it could have just taken a chunk off his chest. And be, stuck it on see, the, here's my biggest problem. That is that no, there was a there was funny enough, his name was Alvin Gig, this kid at school, who at fourteen was sporting a hairy chest and wonderful looks, luxurious curly black hair. Mm. Who was who was and, and fit as a fiddle. Who by the time he left school was balding. Yeah. Oh, he, because basically he peaked physically too early. He was just oh. one of, and he looked like gigs, the plural of his, of his very name. Oh. and it's just I think it happens. Dark curly haired people tend to go bald. And to be fair though, I think it, it, <laughs> it's the, a thing. The the adverts for hair technology are not the best platforms and vehicles, even for the most bright people. I know Darren Goff really, really well. He's a laugh a minute, Darren. Um, Shane Warne has shown more than once that he's got tons of character. That advert they do for their mm. respective hair saying, clinic. Yeah. That's what I'm they, saying. You've got nice hair now. Perhaps, you've got nice hair now as well. How did you get your nice hair <laughs> at the hair clinic? Yeah. Oh, me too. It's an incredible advert, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, Darren. So that's so he's so Ryan Giggs like Beyonce nice in comparison hair. in terms Mark's of that, got isn't nice it? Hair. It's all lovely hair. But the reason I make, make, I mention that is that is because I, I think Mark, because your own your own nomination for worst performance is so weak. Yeah, a little bit disingenuous. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a loady one. Well, it's only because what they've done is they've ruined it for everybody, which I think is not a bad Ooh. reason. Leicester. Oh right, Leicester. Right. <laughs> only a week ago. There they were. They were plucky Leicester, Lord were the only yeah. team who could chase down Man City for us and keep the season alive. Liverpool, and so, yes, sorry, Liverpool. That That's was, crucial. That crucial was, that was last season, right. chasing. Well, Liverpool. a Liverpool yeah. top now. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, yeah. honestly, my brain's gone to mush after stuff, that Ryan stuff. Stuff has changed then, but so within a, a week they've managed to lose two in different games entirely and thus leave Liverpool out there all on their tod yeah. and Leicester became they were the people's team there they for were. an entire seven days and now it's gone we'd all pinned our hopes on we Madison had, and Vardy and they've, they've stabbed it, us it in the back it was probably a somewhat flimsy hope that we were pinning <laughs> this thing, the, what cursed me about this and I've, you know, I've been broadcasting earlier this weekend I, thought I was on air for the Manchester United versus Liverpool game is that for people under the age of 30, the, the fuss about Liverpool regaining the title must seem bizarre. Because, you know, Liverpool, I know, they win the Champions League every now and then. But Liverpool, uh, to me, it's, it's, here comes the king. The king is coming back to regain their throne and all the rest of it. Because they dominate the football of my youth. You're, you're a younger person. Um, yes, I was born in 1984. So yeah. when was the last time they won the league? 30 years ago. Right, so I, I wasn't around yeah. you weren't in a cognizant. football concert. You were not football, football cognizant. Yeah. Uh, do you find it uh, a bit odd that all the old people are getting very, very excited about Liverpool winning the No, title? I don't. Because even though they've not won it really in my football watching life, yeah. there's always been a, a very real sense that they are maybe still one of the biggest clubs in the world. Currently, certainly yeah. one of the biggest clubs in the world. But even, even in those dark days, they, they often had enough... Enough quality yeah. in their sides that you'd go, all oh, right. Well, that player would only go there if they're a big side. And you'd always know. My first trip to Anfield, I was about eleven, right? And you, I just knew. You could just tell this is a proper club. So no, I'm not surprised. But oh. I do know a lot of people who are my age exactly feel like that. Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, I think we're heading for. I uh, hope not to get into a lot of trouble here. Um, last week, um, I did something on Talksport, and I was. 
talking about the convergence, how Spurs and Liverpool um, in the last two years have converged. Their, their teams have gone apart from each other. That's the opposite, isn't it? Divergence. They've gone apart from each other. And I praise Liverpool to the hilt. Not good enough. Not good enough, Danny. That wasn't the right kind of praise about the right thing. Slaughtered on Twitter and elsewhere for not the right kind of praise for Liverpool. I'm just begging Liverpool fans, enjoy this title that's coming your way. It, it is enough that you are the kings of English football. Everybody else doesn't have to be reduced to ashes, dirt and slime around you. <laughs> no, they're doing they're, it. Every they're other not going to be magnanimous, it, are every they? Every other team's doing it very nicely by themselves. They, they, they really don't <laughs> need Liverpool fans' help for that one, though, do we? Fair enough. But you know what I'm talking about. What, what the kind I of... do. I mean, we, we, well, you know, you and I have lived through, in, in practical terms, two, two dynasties. Yeah. Manchester United, which is the one that we all know, and the yeah. one before that was Liverpool. Yeah. And, and arguably, the only thing you're looking at now is, unless Man City sort of like have a little bump and perhaps win a Champions League this year and then revive for a title, then we're looking at perhaps Liverpool again. Uh, so it's the entire two teams in 50 years. I, I do think, though, despite Liverpool being amazing this season and completely dominant and thoroughly deserving to win it by, you know, the 10 or 12 games they'll end up doing it by, I do feel like the strength of the league this season has been way off in terms of the rest of the top six, seven, eight teams. They've been so... I hear just been that. Inconsequential, really, been irrelevant. They can't get anything together. There's no, there's no, yeah, uh, fluidity within the team. You may now have touched the nerve that Dan touched when yeah, Liverpool well, fans apologies. are saying, "Oh, okay, so it's a weak title we won because the rest of the leagues in and VAR, yeah, and, and, yeah. and World War Three, which is going to finish it off anyway." Well, let me just uh, mention there was a mention of World Wars. Within ten, with ten <laughs> goes to go. Yeah. I'll finish this section actually because um, take away the two World Wars where, where there was no top level of English football. This is the hundred twentieth season since eighteen eighty eight, eighty nine, when the leagues started. There was a first division for the first time. So one hundred twenty leagues when Liverpool are crowned champions sometime in. Mid March, I suspect <laughs> uh, they and Manchester United will have won exactly thirty-three percent, one third wow. of all the English titles. That's a lot of wow. titles. Uh, so when people talk about um, the northwest of England being the, the the cradle of professional football, that is correct, sir. That is correct, madam. Okay, let's choose our worst performance. I want to stick with, for my sake, with lunchtime kickoffs. I think they're dreary. I think they're uh, antisocial. I think they're anti-tradition, and the evidence is uh, that they are just terrible games of football. You may. Choose to differ, Mark. I must. Well, obviously, I'm stepping away from the Leicester idea because it, it, it's, it's not it's not fair of me. You gave it a go. I know, but <laughs> I can't pile on them for not doing something for me. It's not their fault, is it? It's you not know, their job. It's, it's so unreasonable. But equally, given the fact that Mark has brought down one major institution already, yep, yep, and yeah. who the wants, Terminator? Who wants to be stretched? I mean, you don't want the football. There you go. You're stretching. You're yawning. You're not quite with it. And that's just the players. Who needs lunchtime football? Yeah, I agree. Okay, Players good. should have enough time to have a couple of pints before they start the game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> All round days. Uh, yes, and one thinks of Arsenal's team in the mid-80s <laughs> and where that was not such a fantasy. Um, that's the worst performance of the week. And, of course, that was a brilliant performance here on the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it um, and in listening to it as much as we've enjoyed making it, in which case you've had a blast. My thanks to both Marks, um, both regulars, and another reason for that. They are the best at it. Uh, Mark Webster and Mark Smith, thank Cheers, you both, Dan. gents. Thank we'll you. be back to you next week. There's no... Um, what do we call it? No appendix this week for reasons uh, beyond our management. Can I plug something? Yeah. 
Um, I'm doing a thing called the Football 365 show. It's available uh, weekly from February, but the first one's already gone out. It's a review of 2019. It's television. It's it's a a web series, so it's all filmed, uh, it all looks lovely, it's all glossy and whatnot. And if you think that I invented Football 365, the likes of you, (laughs) to be going on to various assorted platforms, spouting your opinions... He was a twinkle in your eye, Dan, when you started that. If I could get my TARDIS together, I'd travel back to to that airless room in Liverpool Road and close the whole thing down tell people when they can, where they can get it you can get it on all of football 365 social media channels instagram twitter wherever and at football 365.com it's me it's always a journalist in football 365 the one just gone out of sarah winterburn the editor along with alfie brown who's a comedian Lo- lovely sarah thank you very much indeed do you want to plug anything no nothing dan i don't do anything <laughs> with my time <laughs> good man thank you all for listening see you next week the premier league all access podcast is proud to be brought to you by ladbrooks the latest odds we set them Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.